It is a blessing to be here with you all. I just want to get your attention so that I can introduce the the speaker from Mindset for Missions today, who is Carol Beakley, who serves over in South Africa with her husband, Dave. And um, she's here just visiting for, I think, a couple weeks because of the, the conference coming up. And so usually the men leave the wives at home, but we're so glad that Carol got to come because now we get to enjoy her. So, Carol... Please come and tell us about your life. <laughs> well, I, I'm very honored, as usual, to come and see so many of the faces that are so dear to me um, over the years that, that it means so much to me that they're still here. <laughs> You know, there's um, that's sort of what your whole talk today was running the race with endurance, and um, to be around fellow saints and fellow women that are have have kept going. You know, you often meet people that are excited about the Lord, and you're like, great. But there's nothing like somebody who's been there for years and years and still stayed faithful. So anyway, thank you. I just that's always an encouragement when I come and I get excited to see some of you. Um, and those of you that I don't know well, as I see you over the years, I'll go. Oh, there's more. <laughs> so anyway, well, I do want to keep this really casual. I don't have like this planned. I'm a I'm a teach a lot, and so I tend to feel a lot better if we just stay in a text and I go through the text and I feel a lot safer. I feel naked up here right now <laughs> because I can't. I mean, I'm not supposed to go through a text specifically. Although Jill said you can, <laughs> but uh, but they want to, You guys want to hear a lot about Africa and stuff that's going on, so um, I will try to tell you more stories of practical stories. Um, but I do want to allow questions. So if you think of things that you might be curious about or want more detail. Um, but my heart is, yes, I'll be more than happy to share everything about Africa and our lives and our family and anything you want to know. Um, and hopefully that will encourage you. But my heart is more for me to encourage you to do what you need to be doing. So um, please understand that that's where I come from. So that makes me want to go to the gravitate to the text. But I was listening today, this morning, about her talking about it, running the race with endurance. And um, it, I had just gotten through teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes to several women in our church. And there was an interesting verse in there that's offensive to us women especially. Um, but I want to share it with you because a lot of times when you read God's word and you read something that's like, I don't know if I like the way this sounds, <laughs> the more you read and the more you study, the more you realize it's wonderful. So one of the verses that struck me as um, offensive is that God has given, uh, it says, I've seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. Isn't that interesting? Occupy ourselves. That he's given us tasks to occupy ourselves. <laughs> occupy yourself. <laughs> I'm sorry, when I think of that, I think of I got a five-year-old, somebody out on babysitting, and they say, here, would you take your, my kid for a little while because I've got to go to do some errands or something, and I need to occupy the child. So I 
put on a movie or something to occupy that child. God gives us tasks to occupy us. It doesn't sound so nice. But it's interesting. It starts in that whole chapter, and you guys know this. There's an appointed time for everything, a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to um, heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to throw stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to shun embracing, a time to search, a time to give up lost, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear apart, a time to sew together, a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. Interesting, isn't it? God gave this perfect balance. All of those things, there's, there's a time for all those things. And then, he sa- and then he goes, well, what profit is there to work? Well, what profit is there to toil? <laughs> if there's, you know, this is all all God who's set everything aside, you know, set everything in, in motion. And that's when the verse comes up. And he says, I've seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. And then you're like, huh. So he's got a perfect balance of life and he's given us stuff to occupy ourselves, but he's made everything appropriate in its time. And later on it says that I know that everything God does will remain forever, and there's nothing to add to it, there's nothing to take from it, for God so worked that the men should fear him. Now I'm just going to tie this a little simply to pull into Africa here. God gives each one of us as believers tasks every day. You have a list right now, you know you need to go home. How many of you on your task is to make dinner tonight? And if you didn't do it, you'd be going against God. Right? There's some of you that need to go to the grocery store. Some of you need to um, do your laundry. And sometimes, as women especially, we feel like, really, truly, my life is just occupying my time. I don't have a clue what I'm doing of any value. I just, you know, I know today I'm supposed to do these things. Right? So what value is any of that? Well, I'm just going to add a little line from another book. Who knows if God has set before you such a time as this, prepared you for such a time as this. God wants you to do things that occupy your time. He sets you up. You occupy your time every day. So they're, they're not of no value. Something's going on. And then all of a sudden, in the alignment of its appropriate time, all of a sudden on your list is, um, oh, yeah, pharmacy. Sorry, you guys, you call it a pharmacy, right? Sorry, sometimes I have my words quashed in my head. (laughs) They call it a chemist for the, where's my South African? Chemist. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, um, you know, on your list is, let's say, go to the, to the um, pharmacy on your list. You're like, okay, so I got up today, I did my laundry, I made my lunch, da 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 Okay, I might as well, I guess I gotta go to the pharmacy, so let's go. So we go to the pharmacy, and in the pharmacy, you're just standing in line waiting for your prescription. And the person behind you, you just start carrying a little conversation, and you plant an idea in their head, 
then maybe they might want to come to church sometime. Then maybe, you know, this is where you go to church. That's about it. That's all you do. And then you go back home. On my little task. Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> but what you don't know is that person, you wait next week and you, you look around and no, they don't see him. Next week, no, they don't see him. Oh, well, whatever. But then you don't know that they actually showed up to church about two weeks later and they ran into Jill and sat next to Jill. And then Jill says, hey, let me talk to you a little about my EWG and why don't you come to that? And, and then, then nothing. She goes next week and she goes, up. Oh, she's not there. Oh, she's not there. Okay, she's not coming. And then about two months later, she comes to EWG. And then next thing you know, she gets to know the group of people. And the next thing you know, she's hearing about the gospel. And next thing you know, she's following the Lord. Just on my list, go to the pharmacy. (laughs) We don't know. God's work is what remains. I would have been wrong had I not gone to the pharmacy. Does that make sense? It was on my list. Don't underestimate the task that the Lord has put before you. You don't know when and how. You don't know if someone's going to come into your home. I'm supposed to clean up my house. I don't want to clean up my house. Oh, but I'm supposed to clean up my house. So I clean up my house, and next thing I know, somebody comes in. I don't, I can't imagine they care about my cleaning up my house. But next thing I know, then they start asking me questions about, how do you do this by yourself? And what do you do? And, um, and then it gives me an opportunity to share and pour into someone that just because I had a house that was clean. So anyway, I just want to encourage you a little bit with, with those things. What's important, we, we, I just uh, was at Master's College this morning. My husband got an opportunity to speak at their chapel. And uh, one of the common threads I find through all of university students is they all say they want to do something of importance. <laughs> And so they look at us, for some reason, they think because we are in South Africa, we're doing something of important. I don't know. <laughs> we're just doing the task before us, okay? That's all we're doing. You know, God says, do this, okay, do this, okay, <laughs> you know? Um, so they talk to us, and they say, okay, uh, is this for me, by the way? Yes. Oh, yay. <laughs> so, they, um, so they ask, you know, we want to do something of importance. How do we become important like you? And both my husband and I sort of look at each other going, huh, we're important, okay, that's cool, glad they think we are. <laughs> but um, they want to do something of value. And, you know, we try to tell them, just be like Daniel. Set your mind at any point in time. And this is not, this is not only true for them, but it's also true for us. And many times women feel like, who am I? I'm just a nobody. Do the task set before you. You never know if God has set before you such a time as this. And it's the average people that make a real difference. Not the people that, you know, that you, you claim up there. I have, I've, many times I'll tell people the story. As long as I went to this church, and you know, you hear John preaching, he's awesome. Um, but I never once heard a testimony of someone who said they came to know the Lord by a sermon from John. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. There are. But I always heard sermons, I always heard testimonies from someone that says, yeah, I went to work and there was this worker that I was with and they started encouraging me and telling me about, you know, every one of those testimonies, if you listen, it's somebody in their life, some little nobody, (laughs) 
in their life that drew them to the Lord. So in our lives, um, uh, maybe because we live in an exotic idea of country with lions and um, all kinds of interesting animals, <laughs> but um, the reality is that our life is just sort of like yours. We just keep doing the tasks that's set before us. One of the gentlemen I want to tell you a story about was by the name of Joseph. He's a student that started out, and um, he's not a really good student. He's just an average student, maybe not even that good of a student. Um, And he's been studying with us for a while, and um, he barely struggled along. And uh, he came in with, which typically our students come in with not great understanding of God's word and so he was um, very charismatic um, I don't know how to describe him but Pentecostal I don't know I don't know what these words mean to you maybe they mean different meanings here but um, not a real good understanding of God's word and he started uh, at the seminary and after about a year his uh, first child died now that was a very difficult Thing because you get a lot of pressure from the community, especially in Africa, to now go appease the ancestors and um, and and go back to a lot of um, traditional religion. And so, anyway, but he stood firm, and we were excited to see that. But he kept plugging along and plugging along. And then his third year, he was taking he wasn't doing really well at all. Matter of fact, my husband was like, ah, I don't know if Joseph's going to make it. I'm like, okay, well, just keep plugging, dear. Keep, keep, pouring into him and one time he showed up late to class and late I mean four days late (laughs) you know usually usually late means a day or so because and then they then they my husband gets the opportunity they come into his office and he says okay you know I don't know if you can keep going if you do this and you know, what's your excuse? And it's usually, you know, well, it was taxis and it was this and I ran out of money and I need more money and all this stuff. So Dave's prepared and he says, okay, why didn't you come? And he says, well, pastor, he goes, I had a problem and I had to stay. Dave goes, okay, I've heard it all, but go ahead, try. (laughs) And he says, well, there was a young man in my church and he um, went on a date with a young lady and put some drugs in her uh, in her drink, and then took her to bed. And so the pastor um, Joseph, the simple man who wasn't getting everything, but he was getting basic concepts. He said, "Well, son, he goes, that's a sin." He goes, "No, no, no, pastor, I just made a mistake." Because in Africa, they don't really see sin as sin. They see it as mistakes. And he said, "Well, you know, it's the demons and the Satan that made me do this." And he was like, "No, no, you you sinned." You need to repent, and you need to turn, and you need to go right now to the police and tell them about it. Well, this young man, that was devastating to him. So devastating that he went home and took a bottle of sleeping pills. And then he was in the hospital. And so his father showed up to Joseph's house and knocked on the door and said, You gave very bad counsel, Pastor. Very bad counsel. He said, You, this was a mistake. This was a Satan. This was demons. This was not my son. You gave very bad counsel. And he says, if my son dies, you will die. And I'm sure he meant it. Um, And then all the other pastors in the area 
came to Pastor Joseph, who again is a very simple man, very simple in his thought and everything. They all came and they said, Pastor, you were giving very bad counsel. This is just a mistake. This is not sin. And Joseph said, no, no, brothers, this is sin. This is, you know, this is, it goes against God's word. And they were like, Pastor, you gave very bad counsel. So Joseph said to my husband, he said, well, if I would have left to come to school, then everybody would have thought I was running away. He goes, I had to stick around long enough that the young man came out and he was doing okay that I could leave. Now that is standing. He had a task to do at an appropriate time. He doesn't have much up here. He's just plugging along. His, it's funny. His wife, um, the first, his first year after the child died, his wife threatened to kick him out of the house if he kept going to the seminary because she said, you know, it's giving, teaching you bad things. And then uh, after this incident, his, his wife came back to him and said, you know, you didn't get a good enough grade in Greek. You need to go back and retake Greek because I need to know what God's word says and you need to go back and take one more year of Greek. <laughs> so those are some of the things of the average people that we get opportunities to, to pour into. But you just never know. You know, I mean, I wouldn't have guessed anything of this guy. Um, it really, it's like one time, she, sometimes you're like, why do we bother pouring into him? He's not getting good grades. He's struggling along. I don't know where his theology is at all. And yet, you know, we find that the Lord uses at the right time, at the right place. And we couldn't have done that. He had to do it. He had to be part of the culture, and he had to do it. So anyway, that's, just wanted to, you know, just a little African story. Um, let's see how I do on time. Okay, so I, I can just keep telling you stories. <laughs> My husband's a real good storyteller, but I could try. Um, kids, okay. Well, that's, yeah. Um, yeah, I have my oldest is Josh. He is, I'm not sure, 25, 26. Um, some of you might know him. He's married to Janae Brown. She was here, and they married, and now she's Janae Beakley. <laughs> anyway, um, those of you that know her, and uh, anyway, they're doing wonderful at a church in Illinois. Um, he is a youth pastor there, and has got a lot, a lot under his belt. He's got about... 150 kids, something like that, that he's responsible for. So anyway, but he's doing a wonderful job. And then my daughter Jordan graduated from Master's College, which um, this group had a lot to do with. I don't know if you know that, but uh, that was her dream, and and the Lord gave it to her. Um, Anyway, she graduated from Master's College, and she's also living in Illinois, um, just working right now. And then I have, but still serving the Lord, she actually serves in the high school ministry along my, with my son, under my son. And then um, I have a third child, Jason, who is at Master's College right now, and he's still seeming to keeping his eye on the Lord, so I'm very pleased with that. And then I have a youngest, Jacob, who is 18. And he is um, living in Illinois, finishing up high school. So um, 
that's that. And then I have an adopted, sort of adopted, not really, but sort of like a kind of <laughs> child. <laughs> I say a half child, <laughs> um, but he's not really a child anymore. He's, um, he's 17, and that was handsome, if you guys have, some of you have followed with that. Handsome was a Zimbabwe orphan, um, and he moved into our house five years ago, six years ago, and um, has been with us ever since. And now he, it's like the Lord just keeps taking care of that boy. <laughs> it's, he's amazing. Um, he hit a time where he, had, he missed from grades um, three in a very rural African setting, so it really wasn't a high grade three, it was a low grade three. And um, he missed that through eighth grade because he was on the street. So then he ended up in our house, and so I tried to homeschool him, and he and I are like oil and water. That did not work well, because I only know American homeschooling, and so I'm like, well, okay, you don't know how to read, so let's go back to phonics. And he goes, I hate phonics. I'm not a child. I should be in the eighth-grade book. And I said, you're in a third-grade book. And we were just like this. Anyway, but the Lord opened a door for him to go to a school um, in South Africa. They pushed him as much as they possibly could and then when it got to 10th grade it was like he's not going to be able to keep going so um, we were like now what do we do um, but then because uh, he had no interest he wasn't interested in we're like do you like cars you know you learn mechanics do you like electricity do you like building do you like anything and he was like no no not interested not interested I'm like great I've got a video player <laughs> This will be good. But uh, actually, he started being interested in working out at a gym. And uh, we, over the years, we have become very good friends at that gym with the owner. And the owner said that they would take him in and train him how to be a trainer. And so now he has a professional job, and he's working, and he's growing up. And, and he had his, about a month ago, you'll appreciate this, he had his first big paycheck, and he got paid quite well for there. Um, and uh, then we said, okay, great. Now you're going to pay rent. <laughs> and you're going to, you know, pay, you're going to pay so much for food. You're going to pay so much for, because you're not going to have that much cash. Just, and the, the, the poor guy, we had cross-cultural all over in that conversation. <laughs> and he started to cry. And he was like, you mean I, I can't keep all the money? And we're like, so then Dave said to him, which he did not say to our other children, we're just going to put it aside for you when you can, you know, when you hit a time where it's like you're ready to buy a car or something like that. We're going to actually stock all this money away for you. But for a while, that was hard for him to grasp until about two weeks later, then he started realizing maybe this isn't so bad. <laughs> I'm like, kids. <laughs> anyway, but he's growing up. So um, I have a crazy household. If you don't know about my house, um, the Lord provided something strange that I asked for, um, which was a very large house. Um, I do a lot of entertaining and a lot of hospitality, and I had a lot of kids there. But now the kids are all this side. And so now the Lord filled the house up with a bunch of other things. So I have, under my roof, I have a family of a husband and wife. He's a lecturer. He's a good story, number, let me tell you, too. Um, but he is a lecturer at the seminary with his wife and two children. They live with us, and we share a kitchen. Um, and then I have... Um, I have one, two, three, four, four guys 
that are living with us that we're discipling that are under our roof, plus handsome. So it's just, it's a, it's a very communal place. <laughs> and even for Africa, it's, it's very strange. So, yeah, we had an electrician come in the other day, and he said, is this some weird Christian sect or something? <laughs> but, because our typical meals is, you know, I just make this big thing of food and we just sit down and then we start talking about what's going on in ministry and everybody's in God's word and that so so maybe it does seem like a very strange thing too so all right so that's my crazy life um but I don't know how much that's encouraging you that's just more telling you what's going on with me Dave's doing um all the preaching on Sunday mornings um and uh but there is the whole seminary staff. We've we've got um, a South African. Let's see. We have a white South African on the staff. We have a Venda black South African. Can I say those words? Okay. Okay. Sorry. I if I say something's offensive, I am so sorry. But you have to remember, I've lived twelve years in a different country, and so I I have to think. I, I tr- I'm trying to do the American land, but I just got here, okay? <laughs> so give me a little breath. If it helps at all, and this uh, for any of the African-American in, the, in here, if it helps at all, I am definitely the minority. <laughs> so I'm in the minority there. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we have a Venda, which is an a African black guy. We have a um, South African white uh, two South African white Afrikaners, one Kenyan teaches, and one um, Swana um, of the tribe, Swana tribe, that teaches, and then Dave. So one American. We're the lone holdout. (laughs) They're all very capable of preaching. Excellent preachers. Um, Yeah, so... uh, At Christ Church. Yeah, at Christ Baptist, yeah. So, yeah, so we're almost out of a job. We're about, <laughs> look at, Jill, can we sweep floors? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the goal, to try to make everything become national, and it's, it's happening. It is, and they're doing well. So, so we're just there to sort of stabilize things, and, and we're looking for jobs. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. She bothers me right now. <laughs> um, I really don't know what the Lord has planned right now. This is an interesting time. It's like um, we're we're really just praying a lot. My husband and I are. Um, my husband is, uh, as I said, he's still preaching. He preaches every Sunday. He's sort of the main pastor there. But um, whether that's where the Lord wants us to stay or not, this is a time where we're really going, okay, God, what do you want? Do you need us here? Do you want us here? Do you want us somewhere else? Um, we go, Nigeria, I don't know. <laughs> Nigeria, Kenya, America, I don't know. <laughs> Mexico, I don't know. So, um, I, I, again, those, I laugh when you talk to a college kid and they're saying, I'm making a decision that's you know, going to affect my whole life. My life is always going to be this. And we're like, well... 
we're late 50s and we're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So the honest truth is, I don't know. We're, we, we're trying to see if the Lord still needs us there or if we need to go and, um, and then where to, um, which is an interesting thing, following the Lord, but you never know where to. You just don't know. <laughs> so, hmm. Yeah, Tahiti and the ocean. <laughs> um, uh, no, there's not a. Not, our our passion. Both Dave and I are Bible teachers, and so to lock us in a room and not let us teach the Bible would be like the worst thing you could do to either both of us. So our passion is to find some place that the Lord needs us. If He wants us to stay in South Africa, then we'll stay. If he wants us to go to wherever, we'll go. Because um, we've learned that any, anything else will, I'll, he'll, I'll kill him and he'll kill me. And <laughs> we just can't, <laughs> we can't live in the same house if we're not teaching. I, and we really truly believe, you know, that Ezekiel, like it burns in your bones if that's what you are. It's like, you know, and so for, for us, um, uh, you know, I, I, and I'll, I'll say this about anyone that wants to do a short-term, you know, we have sometimes people think, well, if I go to Africa, I'll do something important. Um, or if I go someplace, I'll do something important. The reality is with God, it's like wherever you go, you be the same person. Cross-culturally, it's just more challenging. Because then, you know, I'm trying to teach in a, did I just say something that offended you? <laughs> Always in that mode, where I'm a little bit more, if you're in your own culture, you sort of know. Um, but... Uh, yeah, just yeah. So you, you, wherever he wants us until he comes back is a privilege. But we might be sweeping floors because <laughs> sometimes he has us be quiet, which is good for us. So yeah, Dave will laugh that that question came up. <laughs> Dave will say, "Did you talk to her?" <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just constantly, what, what we find, it's interesting in Southern Africa, spiritually what's sort of going on in the world. Um, Southern Africa in general, most people would say they're Christian. So I live in a country that most would say they're Christian. Very, very few, and everyone, I say everyone, almost everyone would say, this is truth. So I don't have to fight that battle. I have another battle. They just don't read it. <laughs> They don't know it, and, and they don't take the time to read it. And um, See, now you're going to get me on my soapbox here. <laughs> People look for answers. Like, if they have a problem in their marriage... I, have, I do a lot of counseling, and so people will come up to me and say, you know, can you recommend a good book on marriage? And I say, how about the Bible? No, 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 I need a book on marriage. You know, I really need marriage. The Bible. Or I need a book on parenting. The Bible. You know, it's very easy to go to a bookstore and go to the parenting section and grab your book. Or it's very easy to go to a bookstore and say the marriage section and grab a book. 
But isn't it interesting that God didn't write the Bible that way? That, you know, he doesn't have, here's the chapter on parenting. That's how I would, if I were God, aren't you glad I'm not? But um, if you knew me, you'd really be glad. Um, but, you know, we'd like to go to the book on marriage. And over here, oh, here's, here's the section on parenting. Here's the section on, but it isn't written that way. Why? Why did he write with little seasoning of marriage issues and little seasoning of parenting issues? Why? And maybe, just maybe, the problem that you're having is not really your problem. And so God gets you to look and search and scrub and, whoa, I don't understand all this and why is this in or that? Because he wants to all of a sudden go, let me show you something. And that's why it's like I, I try to stay away from those books <laughs> and I try to focus on this book. You guys studied the book of Hebrews, which is one of my favorites, and you probably, the Lord probably showed you so far a lot of things in your life that you never, ever, 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 ever thought you had an issue. <laughs> Wasn't even in your mind. But that's what going through books do. So anyway... I don't know where I got off on that subject. You get, but that's my, like, my passion is this. Anyway. I was going to ask you, when you said they thought of sin as a mistake, did they not know of Adam and Eve? And did they make a mistake when they, uh, yeah. you know, took uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Did they think that was just a mistake? How, or do they even relate to that at all? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's cultural. And in their culture, and this is more the African, um, uh, more the African side. Uh, if, now, by the way, if I say that to her, she's, uh, can you hold your head up? Sorry. She's South African. And if I say it African, I insulted her. Because she probably has generation after generation of generation that are in Africa. And she's like, I'm African too. <laughs> okay. So that's why I'm like going, I don't know what to call it. <laughs> a lot easier there it's clear <laughs> um, but in the um, different cultures have different twisting of, of the theology which we have too here um, but there they would tend to say everything is a mistake and not sin and most people no one sins so that also means that they don't quite need a savior but they like the idea of Jesus and all that stuff, so they like to add it onto their lives, but they don't see a need of a Savior. So, so, so the gospel is not really the gospel anymore. It's not good news. Because I'm not a sinner. I'm just, I just do mistakes. So, I need a blessing. <laughs> so do you find it that uh, the, the whole process of coming to faith through the gospel... How, how long does it take for people to have that transformation of, like, mm-hmm. calling sin, sin? Yeah, so you, just, really you remind me of the passage that Jesus said that it's easier for a rich man to go through, uh, <laughs> for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It's impossible for us to do any of that. It has to be the Holy Spirit. And so um, all you can ever do is teach people the truth, but... You know, it's funny, and you've, you've found this here. I know you have. When you talk to people and you say, that tablecloth is white, and they're like, no, no, yeah, it's black, I see, it's black. And you're like, no, 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 it's white. No, no, I see, it's black. And you're going, are we having the same conversation? <laughs> right. 
planet are you on? Yeah, and and that happens a lot there because you know we're trying to talk about sin. They're like, yeah, yeah, I know there's sin, there's sin, but it's not me. There's sin. Like, no, no, I'm talking about that particular thing is sin. Anyway, it's a challenge, but um, like all things, you just keep trying to present the truth, and then the Holy Spirit has to do His thing, or nothing happens. What about handsome? I'll keep you on Um. That's a good question. Handsome is striving with the Lord. Um, uh, I, I believe he's a believer. Sometimes it's hard because, you know, you're living with someone and you're constantly, um, he's living with five different pastors that are always <laughs> invading his life. Um, and he's asking good questions, and I think he has a walk, you know, in, in, uh, and that's what Christian parenting a lot of times is. It's very difficult to see exactly where someone's heart is until a lot of testing goes by, but he's remained faithful. Of course, he doesn't have much choice in our, our house. <laughs> so, um, you know, whether 20 years from now, and that's why, that's why it's such an encouragement when I see you guys that have been here. You know, it's one thing to say, yeah, we like, we like Grace Community Church, that's nice. But after a while, you start, you know what? If it's just a cultural thing, sooner or later, something else will be better. Oh, yeah. And so only of time and faithfulness and keep going. So I pray that he'll keep going and, Amen. and we'll keep, until he does. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep trying. So anyway, but uh, yeah. Jacob's desire, he would really like to do engineering, um, which is, again, has to be a God thing because uh, that kid has always been my slow turtle. Um, But who knows? (laughs) So I'm going to go spend a little time with him right now and and see how he's doing, and we'll see. But engineering, they don't have at Master's College. So he actually might not end up at Master's College. We'll see. So he likes he likes the idea of the college, but he's more his heart is more set toward engineering. So we'll see if that's just a dream of his or if it's they can put feet on that. We'll see. <laughs> so all right. Well, I think it's five till. Oh, one question. You would think so. If you saw my house, you'd think so. That it was such a god thing. I can't even tell you, and it still is a god thing. Um, when we first moved there, um, uh, I feel like I have to tell you the long story, but the, my husband was always in the corporate business before the Lord changed our hearts. So we always were financially very comfortable. But then when we came to seminary, we literally didn't have it. We, it all was gone. And so we came here, and so it was like, okay, change of lifestyle. But all the kids did great. Um, we were living in a two-bedroom um, place here and, and all four kids in one room and but they all did great so we all said our lifestyle improved it was no problem then we were going to Africa and I prayed for that the Lord would give me a house that I could do a lot of entertainment because we always did and that um, my kids could have um, instead of my my daughter and my son and and anyway they were starting to almost hit teenage years and I was like Lord if at all possible, can we get bedrooms where they can have their own bedrooms? And if at all possible, can I get a house that would have a different room for me to homeschool than the kitchen table? And as long as I'm at it. <laughs> and I had this really weird, you know, like, you know, um, 
all kinds of lists of stuff that I wanted. And, and I said, but, you know, whatever you want, Lord. Then when we arrived in South Africa, there was very little to rent. Um, we basically had the choice between two houses. One was um, a three-bedroom house that you had to climb over the bed to get to the closet. And the other one was the house that we ended up in. And that one um, is seven bedrooms, five baths, and um, like three lounge areas, three like living room areas. I mean, it's huge. And it was at the time, um, I think it was like $25 more a month. So it was like, no brainer, we'll take that one. <laughs> we didn't have any furniture. It was quite fun. We had a lot of good soccer games in that house. Um, <laughs> But uh, we didn't have any fridge at the time. But it was it was fine. I didn't understand it, um, but we have had a lot of people live in our house um, since then, and a lot of short-term missions teams coming and staying there, and then now. So it, it seems like it's a very strange communal place. Um, it just it got especially that way when uh, um, my children had all left, and so then it was like, well... We, we thought about selling the house because it's so big, um, but then after we found out how much it would cost to pay a realtor, pay the taxes, pay all the fees, and then go and do the same thing in another house, we would just be swapping houses and not... So we were like, I think we should just stay. Then I was like, well, I'm not going to have five bedrooms where nobody's sleeping in. You know, it's like, what are we supposed to do? It was just Dave, me, and Handsome. So then we started saying, okay, who needs a place? So we just it became a discipling place. So that's sort of what it is now. So. Yeah, it was a. It was a. It, well, it, I think originally it was a pretty well-to-do family who built upon, built upon, built upon. Um, by the time we got it, it was. It's not very fancy, but um, it's very big. And uh, um, so it's it's a privilege and yeah, it's a strange. It's a strange thing, but it's just a God thing. And uh, so, anyway, it is, is what it is. So, anyway, you guys, she said you guys wouldn't have questions. Look at this. You guys had questions. I don't know if I answered them very well. And asked people to write questions on them one time. I got one back. It said, I like the questions you ask. <laughs> I told her I wouldn't be... Thinking that you're just going to keep asking questions. But no, anyway. a, I hope I answered some of the curiosity and, and more what I want to, to encourage you is to say, just do the task the Lord has put before you. Occupy your time in what he's put before you. And who knows, but today might be the day that is such a time as this as you were born for just this moment. And you just never know when those moments are. But, but you have to be doing the task that God says for you to do. So I'll go do mine and you go do yours. Amen. <laughs> That's I'm for God. For you. That's yeah. for God. Well, thank you so much for coming, Carol. It's a blessing to have you here. Thank you that you know, we got to see you while you're here for this short time. And we're just gonna pray for you right now. And if you want to ask her more questions, I'm sure she'll be happy to answer. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to be with our dear sister, Carol. And um, just thank you so much for her willingness to serve you, just wherever you would have. And we just thank you for her dear husband and her family as well. And um, we just pray that you would give them guidance and show them 
um, what your will would be for them in the future and uh, just pray that you would continue to bless them through serving you and we thank you for gifting them so so well in um, teaching your word Lord we just pray also for the kids for Josh and Janae um, we thank you so much for the church they're ministering in now and just for the opportunity they have to serve you there we just pray that you would bless them and help them to grow closer to you Lord and also for Jordan as she's working and serving in the church we pray that you would bless her Lord help her to grow in you and also Jason and um, Jacob and we just pray that you would guide Jacob as to what college to go to next year Lord and um, just help him to continue to grow in you and also Jason as well and thank you that he's at Masters and we just pray also for Handsome we just pray that you continue to work in his heart and um, Use him for your glory, we pray. And just thank you so much that um, you are so good. And we don't understand everything you have for us. But just thank you that we can trust you and we know that you are faithful. And Lord, we also pray for the students that are there at the seminary and um, the Bible co college. We just pray that you would work in their hearts and their minds and use them for your glory there in Africa. Amen. Amen. Thank you.